Hey there, this is Sam. And this is Anna. And you're listening to Fantastic Books and How to Read Them. And this week we are covering Patrick Rothfuss's King Killer Chronicles The Name of the Wind, chapters 53 through 59. So. Wait, we're... before we start, can I announce that we have a new studio this week? Yeah, actually, this is some big news, guys. So we set up a new studio in our home. Um, this is our first time recording from it, so hopefully you can hear an increase in the sound quality. It should be a little bit less echoey, but most of all, we have like a designated podcasting space, so we should be able to get episodes out to you a little bit more regular than we have, and for that, I'm very excited. Yeah, big step, awesome moves, and very excited for this week's episode because it's probably one of my favorite moments in this book. Yeah, we saved a whole section of chapters, as I mentioned at the end of last episode, that all go together about Kavoth uh, and his musical career at the Aeolian, so that's what we will be discussing today. Chapter 53. Slow circles. So in this part of the story, we have Kavoth basically preparing and getting ready for his debut at the Aeolian. He's kind of talking to Willem and Simmon about going there and him playing to earn his talent pipes. This is a really cool part because we know from past experience, like, Kavoth is an awesome artist. He's a wonderful loop player. And this is, like, a really good opportunity for him to go put on an awesome show and hopefully win his talent pipes, which could earn him a patron or the ability to play for money and really just eliminate all his debt and money problems. So this is a really good opportunity for him, but... But he's never played for Will and Sim. Let alone anyone. Last time... Last last time he played was for Josen and he made everybody cry. Yeah, I mean, since getting his loot, he's had time to practice and reawaken his, like, inner music. I think his friends are very nervous about him, though. Like, they've been nervous yeah. about his schedule and his performance in school and everything, so for him to also say, like, oh, I'm going to go play at the most famous bar or, like, concert venue where you can get these things called talent pipes. Yeah, it's the best of the like, best. Like, it's the best of the best, so, like, nobody wants to, like, blow their chance at it. Oh, yeah. So, obviously, if your friend is like, yeah, I'm going to play there, but won't show you what he's been playing or practicing. Like, doing what? Yeah, it's very concerning on their end. Well, classic last episode, Kavoth, just, a, like, high-stakes roller. Just Also, like, can't let anybody in. Yeah. Just well, that's to... part of his thing. He's very guarded as a person. He is, though I have met friends who are very, like... I feel like they always have walls up. Yeah. And for me, it's frustrating to be friends with them sometimes. So, like, it's surprising he has Will and Sim who are, like, such, like, steadfast friends. When yeah. He always blocks them out. Yeah. And there's even parts that they mention, like, later in Wise Man's Sphere where it's, like, better friends than I deserve. There's, like, a whole, like, quote or, like, reference or mention of that when yeah, he's, yeah, like, yeah. having a tough go. But but even in this beginning part of the chapter, Simon is trying to, like, coax Kavoth into talking about his music. So he, like, beats around the bush a little bit and is talking about how he heard, you yeah. know, people have been hearing strange sounds from different parts of the university. Instead of just, like, coming out and being like, hey, I know you've been practicing... It's just classic Simon and his, like, boyish, like, charms. Like, literally, instead of just being out, like, hey, dude, like, word on the street is you're playing music on the roof or, like, they're hearing weird sounds, he kind of suspects it's Kavoth and he's like, they think it might be a ghost or a dying person, like... But also, he knows that Kavoth will, like, be weird if he's directly confronted with something. Yeah. So, that's what I mean, is, like, you have to kind of go to him in a very roundabout way, despite how direct Kavoth is as a person. Yeah. And very, like, one-track mind kind of 
a little bit. Like, with his interactions with people, I feel like. Like, when he goes with Debbie, he's like, I need a loan. Or later on in this, this or the next set of chapters, he goes to Lauren and he's like, how do I get back in the archives? Like, he's well, yeah. very abrupt. But he does not appreciate the same quality in others. Yeah, he is always on a mission, and he doesn't take the time to cultivate relationships. Mm, that's true. I don't know. That's something to be said about like people who aspire to be great. Like they don't have time for that, and it's not that it's a good or a bad thing. It's an empty kind of existence if you're not really connecting with others. You know, for him, it's just always on to the next thing. That's fair. People always say it takes, like, a certain type of personality to become famous. Yeah. You have to be willing to sacrifice a lot, clearly. Yeah. So, anywho, other than existential character traits, Kavoth is actually on the roof of Mains, and he has finally developed a relationship in Ari, who was hinted at last episode, that great that was, like, opening up was her living in the under thing. And we get to learn more about Ari in bits and pieces throughout this book, but she's definitely she's an definitely awesome character. an enigma, though, still. Yeah. Like, we've read both books, and we've read The Silver Guard of Silent Things, which is, like, just a mini-story about Ari herself. And I feel like I'm, I'm missing a lot of pieces to unlock her puzzle. Yeah. And as we go on in future episodes, there's a lot surrounding Ari, a lot of fan theories about who she actually is. Why she lives in the Underthing, what the Underthing is. What caused her to crack and go insane. So there's there's a lot of awesome folklore and mystery and mystique around Ari that we'll definitely be touching on in future episodes. But for now, we're kind of just being introduced to Ari. She lives in the Underthing and she's the only human being Kavoth is actually playing music for. Yeah, and she's very unconventional in, like, her conversation and her interactions with the both. Yeah, so they have, like, this little ritualistic, like, picnic whenever he sees her for the most part where they'll bring each other either gifts or food. And there's always a fun, like, rationale and, like, reason of how they acquired the goods. So knowing what you know about the fan theories. Yes. And how Kavoth, in a couple of previous chapters, says we are waiting for the main character of this story to enter from the wings. Yeah, waiting the Do wings. Do you think that that is referring to Denna? Or do you think that is referring to Ori? Because he says that, and then Ori comes up, and then Denna comes up not long after. You know, I never made that connection. I actually, I like that. That's never what I had thought upon the first read and the rereads because no the books are written so you read them one way on the first read and then the second time you read them you second guess everything but that could be really clever where if Ari ends up we know important. she ends up being super important in slow regard for silent things it's referencing on second book stuff but come book three I mean she gets just enough time as a character for you to realize she's important yeah so it could be good foreshadowing I just didn't know he thought about that. No, I never, but it's clever, and I like that. Like, because it points you to Dennis, you think she's the important person waiting in the wings, but, like, at the very same time, he introduces Ori. Yeah. Well, that's the beauty of the writing. There's so many layers. Yeah, so, like, which which girl is it? But Yeah. Ooh. Okay. I see you. I yeah, see you. Yeah, which one is the woman? Yeah. No, I like that. I've never thought about that. And I think Kavoth wants you to think it's Denna because he wants to convince himself so hard it's Denna, but like maybe or all it was along a piece it was behind Ari it or something. Yeah, like there was more more to her. Actually, and then there's the whole part where he's like, "We have to approach her gently because she's quick to flee." Exactly. Ari is so quick, quick to, to flee. flee. Oh. And they approach each other in slow circles. 
which is the name of the chapter title. Like, they're always dancing around each other with this odd language, never really, like, coming close to each other. Mind-blown. Awesome. Right? Yeah. Awesome. Stoked. That's cool. (laughs) I know. I'm having a moment about it. Just geeking out. I love it. It's okay. So... Yeah, Kavoth is exchanging gifts with Ari as they've come to do when they hang out and Kavoth plays music for her. So he asks her and she asks him, like, what did you bring me? And she brings him a a key, right? Yeah, she brings him a key. But it's always I like that with their interaction, it's always an item that either contains something or there's something about it. So for this, she's saying... What does it unlock, he asks, when she presents him with the cane. It's like, the moon. Like, there's just something poetic and cool, if not silly it's and very, whimsical. It is, but I think what actually is happening here is they're both actually coming very close to naming things or understanding the essence of things. Yes. Actually, I don't know if we had mentioned in a previous episode, but I definitely want to throw it on here. I absolutely love when we were talking about one day how... When Kavoth was really deep in his misery and mourning of his parents being murdered, and he was just practicing the lute nonstop in the woods, yeah, and so he was learning it's how to naming, yeah, but not in like a verbal form. Yep, just like that subconscious level of like him applying music to feelings. Yes, where yes, 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 yes. applying attributes to inanimate objects in even in and of itself is like a subconscious level of naming. Which is basically, if you read that mini story, The Slower Guard of Silent Things, that's what it's entirely about. Yeah. And at the end of that book, or throughout that book, Ori has a key that she's, like, preparing to give to someone. And here in their first interaction, she gives Kavoth a key. So I don't know if that's meant to be the same key, or if it's, like, paralleling a future event where she gives him a more important key. That's a good point. I'd have to comb through and see the details. I would have to definitely like piece by piece, word by word, like comb through. But out of that story, there's that big foreshadow. Actually, for people who've not read it, spoiler alert. So she basically hints at like when shit hits the fan, Kavoth is going to need to stay with her. And she was basically preparing to let him know that. Mm -hmm. My personal fan theory is what I think is going to happen come book three is that somehow the four plate door will be opening and it'll be basically like a waystone or a guide point into the Fey realm. And when life is crazy and Kavoth is either gravely injured due to events or just necessity arises, he will stay with Ari and the other thing for a while for things to blow over. I digress though. I think that Kavoth is going to fulfill the King Killer Chronicle like prophecy, like the name of the the books, and kill a king, whether it be a literal king or more of a metaphorical king like the king of something. Mm. But I think he's going to kill someone, go into hiding with Ori, and somehow the two of them will unlock the foreplay door together. Ooh, that's a cool thought. I didn't even consider, like, him being with anyone when the foreplay door opens. I think if it's going to be anyone, it's Ori. So, on a less cataclysmic note, <laughs> our chapter ends with just Kavoth jamming out for Ari on the rooftops as they have their outside picnic. Chapter 54, A Place to Burn. So, we have Kavoth hanging out during the day with Willem and Simon. They both notice, like, Kavoth is has a different air about him than he's had in previous days and weeks. He's like, you look good. You've, you you kind of feel like a coiled spring. Like, you're relaxed, you're ready, there's a spring in your step. You're kind of just plugged in, like you're ready to go. He's, like, 
he's very ready. I think being able to perform for Ori helped put him in this mind state. Yeah. So one thing that kind of gets foreshadowed in this chapter is Willem and Simon are talking about a character we meet in book two, Puppet, again, about somebody who's in the archives. And they kind of just drop down like this in their conversation. So I think they don't want Kovoth to feel bad because he can't go into the archives. Yeah. So they're talking about him. But, so like this is the first time we hear of him as readers, but we won't hear about him again for like 600 pages or so. So we between definitely this book and the next. takes a while for us to get there, but the ride's worth the wait. Mm. Oh, but then we come to the alien, right? Yeah, so we're we're basically heading to Imray. Our boys are crossing the bridge. They spit over the bridge for luck, just being young gents doing their thing. And so what I really like about this whole interaction is they basically get to the door and there's like a whole like social cue and status and like rule set about the alien. Like you pay to get in, but if you're gonna play as a musician, you have to pay to play. You have to pay a whole silver talent. Willem and Simon have been there before and Kvothe hasn't. And they know who the owners are. So the owner is the guy who's working the door and the other owner is the guy who's working the yeah, bar. Yeah, Diak. And Diak hates it when people, like, suck up to him or whatever. And the last person who sucked up to him, according to Sim, like, literally got thrown out, like, physically out of the bar. And Kvothe's like, I'll buy you a drink later. Just well, like... Uh, just classic Kvothe because he's charming. And it's funny because like, it always seems to But misreading the room, but somehow it works out for him. Yeah, no, I love the part. I see it right here. So he was like introducing himself and Kvothe says to him, he's like, Diak means to drink. Do you think I can buy you a drink sometime? And of course, Willem and Simon, knowing the deal, are just like, ghost white, like, dude, like, no. no. don't do that, don't do that. And the guy somehow actually gets kind of wind over. He's like, you know, I might let you at that. And they just kind of do their thing. They would, like, have their bro moment. I think that's just classic Kavoth, where anyone else wouldn't get away with the crappy pulls. Well, everyone always says he has a little bit of fey around the edges, so I think he's, like, slightly superhuman in a way. Power persuasion kind of deal. Uh, yeah, very charming, very yeah. intriguing, very, like, mesmerizing. So people are drawn to him in an odd way. Yeah. That normally, like, he can do things like that that normally wouldn't work. Which is why it's interesting to me that the people who see through him tend to be people I think are pretty important. So, like, I know Lauren sees through Kvothe's kind of, like, bullshit. Yeah. And I think Lauren's an Amir. Oh, yeah. I've so, done that. I think it's, before. it's pretty important to, like, know who lets both get away with things and who doesn't. Yeah. At this point, our boys are in the alien. They're kind of just walking around. They grab a table and... What's interesting, It's though, funny because it's during the day and uh, Willem is, like, ready to drink. I was drink. just about to say that. So, we were reading this again and you were like, I thought both played at nighttime. And they get there what seems like maybe 11 o'clock in the morning. Maybe afternoon. I don't know. <laughs> From the way it's written, though, it does seem would... like they wake up and, like, rush over. Maybe you and I just misinterpreted, but we thought we were they were there at, like, 10, 30, 11 in the morning. <laughs> just, like, camping so maybe out. So maybe it's, like, a couple hours before sundown. But yeah. But that's a long time to hang out somewhere. The pregame. And so that was the funny part, because... Willem is, like, ready to drink and, like, have a good time. And Simon... I mean, can you blame him? He also spent a lot of money to get into this bar, so... Very true. 
And so Simon and Kavolt are both like cider, and Willem's like not having it. He's like, "Oh, you guys suck! You're being girls." I like, know you're being weenies. So, which like Kavolt makes sense because he's gonna play. You don't want to be like too loose. Yeah, I think uh, Simon is just like it's too soon. It's not nightfall. Uh, like it's it's a little too early. Just the plainest. Aww. He's a good dude, but like. No, he's pretty plain. Yeah. He doesn't have a lot of character traits. The best supporting character. <laughs> the mediumist supporting character. Yeah, he's loyal. He's Ron Weasley tier. You know him, right? Yeah. And Willem's definitely Hermione then. I'm just getting shit done. Actually, Willem really doesn't get that much done. What? He gets... Willem is he gets definitely the, like Neville like, Longbottom status. He gets status. him the null route. Yeah. He introduces him to... That guy in the next set of chapters, he works for Lauren. Yeah, but nothing ever They teach ever each develops. other CRU. All right. It's like background details. I'd say Neville Longbottom status. No way, Simon is Neville Longbottom. No, Simon is wrong. Anyways, <laughs> we're getting <laughs> you distracted. Like Ron too much. No, he's just the loyal friend, and Simon is the loyal friend. Move on. Okay. Agree to disagree. We're at the Olean. Our boys are having cider, looking around, just kind of hanging out, and Kavot ends up talking with Stanchion, who... Ugh. They kind of allude that Diak and Stanchion are, like, an item, but I'm not too sure, like, what the actual details of are it, but he basically handles uh, the music portion of things at the Aeolian, and Doesn't so... Doesn't he run the bar, too? Yeah. Okay. And Kavot basically is talking to him, and he's like, oh, you're playing Lou. What are you thinking of playing? And Kavot lays down that... He was wondering if anyone played Sir Savian lately. And it had been, like, months because the song is, like, wicked complex. You have to be able to sing and have a singing partner that complements your voice. And, like, you know, it's a lot. But Kavoth has taken a gamble. He has no one with him to sing the part of Halloween, the female voice, to accompany Sir Savian, what, the part he's going to be doing. Well, he goes trooper style, like his OG. like Oh yeah, right to the roots. Yeah. But uh, so he's hoping somebody at the Aeolian well, is talented and familiar with the song and will be able to help him And it's funny perform. too, because during the banter, Stanchion's like, are you sure you want to play that song? It's it's kind of tough. You're a little oh, bit young. But that like lights the couple's fire. And then, like, as the banter continues, he's like, well, are you sure you want to play a song that you have to do Trooper Socks? Like, what if someone doesn't come in? And Kavot throws it right back and is like, well, I thought this was the place that attracted the best musicians. Yeah. So if these aren't the best musicians, then, yeah, I'm not going to expect anyone to join in my song, but... They should, if that's the kind of company you cater to. Literally. Isn't so this an like, alien? There's very kind of, like, flirty, witty banter between the two of them, and I think I think maybe he sees a little bit of himself in Kavoth, like, the, the ballsiness. Yeah, no, he, it's, like, talent-recognizing talent, or just at least, like, tenacity. Yes, he says. So, yeah, it's a whole part where Kavoth goes, isn't this an alien? I'd heard this is where Pride pays silver and plays golden. Mm. Oh, wreck it. So good. I love that, because the talent pipes are silver. Yeah. But it's also, like, once you acquire talent pipes, like, you're going to be rolling in it. Like, you're the best of the best. It's so good. It's really cool. I wonder how many they give away a year. Because he said, what do you say, like, a hundred talented musicians might be there that night? That's a lot. But anyway, he he does... Kavoth isn't super shook by this interaction, but he does get a little bit nervous and 
tries to start thinking about different songs he can play as he goes back to his table. And for like the next few hours while they're killing time, he's just desperately trying to think of something else to play. And Willem and Sim are like slowly getting drunker and chatting and talking about other stuff and playing games and whatever. And Kafal's like half in it, not half even. in, half out. But then, but then every, he... everyone's favorite comes into the alien, Ambrose. <sighs> And I love just the pure spite on Kavod because he sees that Ambrose has a leer and that he like... A liar. A liar. All right. (laughs) Anyways. And that like he plays here and then he literally was like, does Ambrose have his talent pipes? And they're like, no. And he goes, good. Because he was like this close. He was so close to snapping. Being like, if Ambrose is like part of this club, I want nothing to do with it. Yeah, this is not the kind of company i want to keep like yeah if he if they think he's a good musician they're like i have no business being here but i love that it was like because ambrose was there he's like oh i'm absolutely playing like the lives her savior now like oh yeah it's his, on he's like fully in now yeah like just his bitter hate oh basically we're still killing time where both uh sim and willem are just playing card games around the table and slowly you know, having their drinks, hanging out, and then the other acts start, and Kowals is basically just describing, like, other talented musicians, and they're, you know, playing very well. There's someone who goes for the talent pipes tonight, though, like, who tr- who who tries to get up there. Yes, there's a harpist. She's really beautiful, and I guess she's, like, the daughter of, like, a judge or councilman. Yeah, so, like, pretty well connected. Kowals watches the whole performance and says, like, she did really, really well. I think this is, like, his way to judge the standard of what talent pipes give or not. Because he watches the whole interaction at the end of her song where, like, Stanchion goes around the room and kind of asks everyone their opinions. Yeah. And sees how the crowd is feeling. It's, like, a good feel for the room. And then goes back and gives her a handshake. And she doesn't get it. No. And, and she gets, I think there's, like, a, a consolation, like pint of beer at the pub for yeah him. and that's that's kind of what happens but you had to pay to play so this is his only chance in terms of how much money he has yep and then there's other musicians a flutist plays and it's described that it plays very well however at the end of his performance stanchion gives him a handshake and it's an empty handshake and you can just see like this sickly like grimace like half-hearted, like, it's okay, like, in denial Wait, face I thought the harpist didn't get her things either. No, they both haven't. Ugh. And that's the point, like, the talent pipes are so illustrious that even though two great musicians still couldn't earn them. So, mm-hmm. in a way, I'm sure for Kavoth, it's equally daunting, uh, but also, like, alright, well, it's my time to you shine double soon. Down, do it. Yeah. Ugh, but we also, in this time, get introduced to a character, I believe, called Count Therape. Yep. Count Therape who is, like, a great patron of the arts and a long time well ago... Well-influenced in the community. Yeah, very well-connected in the community, well-influenced, very... a good supporter of music and poetry and art. And it seems like a long time ago cared about getting his talent pipes, so had been trying, but has given up long ago because he doesn't really need the, the money that's associated with them, so he's exchanged talent pipes for kind of, like, friendly local like love of him yeah so he he does a lot of like parody songs or like songs songs mocking the government or other council members like he's very goofy he plays song for 
artistic merit only at that point, whether it's for fun or for just having a good time. It's no longer a pursuit of his talent pipes, but because of that... I think it, it's mostly just, like, goofing around. Yeah. And, like, just, sticking around up on stage, but everyone loves it. And it creates a good energy. Because it also, like, it breaks up the seriousness of people, like, not getting their talent pipes, and it creates, like, really fun, like, energy in the bar where everyone's having a good time and laughing or singing along together. So, uh, I love it. And, like, he's clearly not a great musician, but he has so much fun that Kavoth is like, okay, like, the crowd is... Warmed up. Is warmed up. And he's... Everyone claps wicked hard when he's done, and, like, stomping and pounding on the tables, and, like, super excited. And so Kavoth decides that this is the time to go for his talent. Yeah, so he goes up to Stanchion, and he's like, dude, I am ready and he was like, yep, you know a good crowd. Like, they're warmed up. They're ready. I know. Both showmen. Yeah, like... And he gets up there, and he... Gets everything like is on the line. He literally nervous. just gave he, up he all his money his, to play. Yeah, he tunes his lute for just a minute, and then I just imagine, like, a moment of, like, dead silence where everyone's like, what's this kid doing up here now? Just, yeah, like, he's 15. Like, one singular, like, <sighs> from the yeah. background. And then... He just gets right into it. Oh, yeah. And, like, just music pouring and, like, flowing out of him. The dude just wrecking it. He's doing such a good job playing music and singing for Sir Savian. And as he's, you know, weaving this song and singing and playing beautifully. It's like setting a, a spell over the audience. And, like, everyone just is just... captivated. Yes, like, fully enraptured. And Kavoth is just, like fully in like the flow state of like mind and his body connecting in a way where it's not even like he's consciously thinking about everything he's just like he's lost the music in the is music. pouring out of him and it's coming out so beautifully and it's coming out really really well and everyone's just enthralled he does this song trooper style where he like goes through the refrain like a few times waiting for anyone part. there like the duet part the part of Halloween the female voice uh, accompany his and as he's doing the third, like, chorus or refrain, you know, calling out for Halloween, it's literally, like, the last possible moment, and he's like, crap, nobody's here. And to everyone's surprise, and including Kavol, somebody does start singing the part of Halloween just very in the nick gently, of time. Very gently, like, just at the very last moment. And it's, you have to imagine this, too, there's no microphones in this world, so he's got to be hearing this voice just kind of, like, coming out of the darkness like singing to him and singing to his soul and he gets distracted for a moment trying to find the voice and he like half slips one tiny mistake and he was like no like focus like music like i can't look for the voice she's saving me in this moment but like i have to double down like yeah like her her song is for nothing if i mess up now yeah and it's just such a beautiful moment of like him just continuously like weaving and pouring out the music out of himself with uh this mystery person singing the part of Halloween. And it literally comes to the point where he says, I was so deeply in the music that I couldn't have told you where it stopped and my blood began. Oh, like that's awesome. Just a pure connection, but then all of a sudden like the worst happens. His string breaks. But at the very beginning of Savian's verse it catches his hand and it makes his hand start bleeding. And there's just like a pause where he like stares blankly at this string. 
And then he like stares out into the crowd, and they're almost the crowd is just spellbound, broken. I like, know, like they're almost about to break out of this like pause that they're in- experiencing. Everything that he's like woven with the audience and the connection he has with them is like start to unravel very fast. And then he's like, "No, the song." Yes, like the it song. was coming out of my fingers and like in my blood and in my bones and in my soul. Like I know how this song goes. I know how to play it. And he, like, taps in remembers playing the songs back with his father's lead where that string broke. So, like, it's, like, deep in his brain and he knows uh, how to do it. So he just all of a sudden doubles down and so finishes, cool. like, the next part. Like, an ode to younger him just mourning and just being, like, a miserable wreck in, like, the woods and all he had was music. And then in the moment where he needs it most, like... The music is there for him again. Like, uh, I awesome. know. And, like, the last few verses go, like, so quickly. He's just, like, his hands are flying. His blood is pumping. His heart is pounding. And then all of a sudden it's, like, ah, the song is over. And he cries on stage. And it's I love how it's written because it's, like, it's not even about my loot string breaking or, Like, you know, if I failed or succeeded. It's literally about the song. Like, he cried for Sir Saving in the Halloween. I'm, like... I don't know, I'm a dork, like, just wicked, awesome, beautiful, cool moment of just appreciating good music. It truly is. You know, like, the audience is experiencing the exact same thing, so to see this powerful performance that is so intense that the performer themselves, who's clearly practiced this multiple times, and it's it's not catching them off guard, but for the song and the story to be so intense and powerful that when he finishes, he just, like, immediately is, like, overcome with emotions and is crying, like... You know the rest of the audience has got to be like dumbstruck. Well, that's what I love because he in tears, and it's similar to how he played Joseph's Lope, but he like was way more in power. Like there was so much more power to the music here, so the impact of it was even more. Yeah, and I just love. There's like a moment where the crowd is just dead silent for like a hot minute, oh, yes. and it's like, did they not like it? Was I not able to do anything? Like what's going on? So. This is where we're going to end our chapter. Chapter 55, Flame and Thunder. So Kavoth just, like, shredded so hard on the loot and was saved by a mystery voice in the darkness that was his Halloween, saving the day. Despite the fact that his loot string had broken, Kavoth was able to weave the song back together due to his experience of just playing in the woods after his family was murdered and just his grief being his grounding stone for just playing music because that was all he had. So once again, music was there to like save him and he saved the song. But the crowd is just like a thick, heavy silence. And it's crazy too because in this like, I have to imagine it's only a breath, but this chapter is a whirlwind of Kavoth's like mind reeling thinking, you know, I played this song, I know I made that mistake when Alamine's voice came in, I know I made a mistake when my string broke, but I did my best. But it... Was it enough? It's not good enough, clearly. Like, it, it just can't be, because everyone's quiet. Like, how could this be enough for them? Like, they're clearly just stunned with my disappointment, <laughs> and, like, I... I had to improvise, I had to, you know, deal with the sixth string, what if my ending wasn't, like, as strong as it could have been, and he's just, like, running through all of the fears in his mind, rapid fire, and then the silence, 
comes out of them, which is interesting. Well, because people start, like, there's, like, a choked sob, and, like, a couple other people start crying, and then, like, thunderous applause, like... Right, but the, he literally describes it as, like, the silence as an emotion itself is, like, coming out of people in mm-hmm. that, like, build-up until someone finally is, like, oh, God, and, yeah. like, cries. But it's cool, too, because Kvothe in the modern times, or, like, the current times has that same command over the silence, which the boss fears so much, but it's fascinating that, like, the silence is the build-up for, like, the break. Yeah. And I feel like it's paralleling current Kvothe of, like, he's building up this silence and, like, he's bound to break soon. Ugh. But it's just so satisfying because, like, there's this, like, pause that to everyone else is, you know, a breath, but for Kvothe is, like, eternity. His mind reeling, being, like, on an emotional high, on an emotional low, like, did I do enough? Did I not do not do too much? Was the voice okay? Did my ending okay? Was And then, like, everyone is, like, clapping and crying, and, like, the applause is thunderous and beautiful and insane, and he's just like, oh. Yeah, he's just reeling. He's like, oh, my God. Chapter 56. Patrons, Maids, and Methuglin. Methuglin? Metheglin. They like, said it as Metheglin in the audiobook. That has a very smooth enunciation. We can stick with that. I like that. What was I say? Metheglin? Metheglin? Metheglin sounds better. Alright, so... Oh, but anyway, this is the aftermath of like the world's greatest performance. Kavoth <laughs> <laughs> is restringing his loot, just like doing anything to like keep himself occupied and, like, centered from, like, not losing it as stanchions, going through the crowd, getting, like, opinions and reactions from everything. I love that the formality of, like, everyone knowing this is probably the best musical performance they've ever experienced in their lives, but still stanchion has to go around and, like, gather opinions and, like, make them squirm a little up on their chair. Yeah, no, absolutely unreal. So Porkavoth is just, like, sitting there, like, Trying to find things to do with his hands and, like, examining the broken loot string. He's just kind of waiting. So Stanchon gets back on the stage and I... This. I Ugh. think this is one of my favorite moments of all time. Ugh. So, his... Kavolt is describing Stanchon's expression as being pleasant but unreadable. And he's walking over to shake Kavolt's hand. And is like, this is the moment. This is it. The other two performers that got handshakes did not get their pound pipes. So, like, I see his hand coming out. That's and, my fate. It's sealed. Like, but he's it's like, I am a trooper. My, I'm a tr- my father's son. I will carry myself with like the dignity of the Demaru and look happy and jovial and pleasant and never like sour the stage with like a Especially grimace. Especially because he knows Ambrose is watching, so he never wants to see Ambrose have like the satisfaction of seeing him disappointed. He literally, the earth would crack and swallow this glittering, self-important place before I would show a trace <laughs> of despair. Like, the oh, drama, like, absolutely I know, unreal. but it's so good because, like, Kavosa performer and Stanchion's a performer, and they're both keeping each other, like, on tender hooks right now. Literally, and so as he shakes Stanchion's hand, something hard is pressed into his palm. <gasps> and he looks down, and he sees the talent pipes! It's so good! So good! Oh my god, stoked! And Kavosa's like, Cloud Nine, so excited, just in shock, awe, and disbelief, and he's just so happy. It's he's awesome. Such a hand, though, like he's clearly had this moment of like doing the handshake, and everyone in the crowd knows like he's clearly gotten his pipes, but like the pure joy that must pass over his face 
and then he like s- like once again Big raises them over his head hol- holds them up for like everyone to see and like just gets like a huge like standing ovation, ovation yeah. of like everyone be like yeah you did it and uh, then, uh, but then he goes back to his day one homies, which is cool. Yeah, because like classic Simon just being like great supporting character in a mush. He's like crying, he's like, promise me you'll never play that again without warning me ever. And he's just I like, feel like you are a st- uh, you are a Simon. Oh, I am. I'm such a mush. Such a mush. And it's funny too because Willem's like, oh, you know, some of us have like more tender hearts than others. So poor Simon is like feeling the effects pretty badly, but. Even his own eyes are all red and puffy. Yeah. But Simon cried. So, such a crier. Uh, and it's funny, too, because, like, Kavoth is like, oh, yeah, I forgot that some people are affected by it. As if he didn't just bawl his eyes out in front of everyone. Well, not really that. Like, he says it, like, so, like, weird and plain. Like, oh, my parents told it to me, too. And Well, he heard it when he was, like, 11. Bad. No, he, he had a tough go when he first heard it, he says. Right. It's like he's like eleven and he couldn't even continue like doing a play with his family and like true bears because he was like affected by the song so hard. But like Simon, clearly a grown adult, even though he's boyish, was just like I can't like I literally know. just <laughs> it's too much. Uh but Stanchin comes over and he's like, Oh, these are your friends. Kubo says he's promised to buy them a drink, so can he lead them to the bar? And of course Willem is drinks Yes. He promises drinks plural. And it's funny too because Kvothe's like, yes, drinks plural. Without you two, I wouldn't be here. And Stanchin like kind of interprets it in his own way and goes, ah, patrons. Yeah. Like, I understand. So totally gets rewarded with Theglin. Oh, which is described as this like absolutely fantastic drink. Metheglin, Stanchion informed me. Try it and you can thank me later. Where I'm from, they say a man will come back from the dead to get a drink of it. Kvothe like cheers him on. The description is equally subtle as it is descriptive and I really just, I don't know, it just strikes a chord with me. It's great. It goes, I took a drink from the tall tanker to give myself a chance to collect my wits and something wonderful happened in my mouth. <laughs> Cool spring honey. Jesus, Rex. Uh, get out. <laughs> it's happening in your mouth. <laughs> no. I can't. I'm geeking out. Okay. <laughs> cool spring honey. Clove, cardamom, cinnamon, pressed grape, burnt apple, sweet pear, and clear well water. That's all I have to say of metheglin. If you like, haven't it's just tried like it. Fresh breath of like autumn air. Like, yeah. And it's like, if you haven't tried it, I'm sorry I can't describe it properly. If you have, you don't need me to remind you what it's like. Mm. Mm-mm. Awesome. So, basically, they got nectar. They're enjoying their nectar. I mean, Willem ordered scotton, which sounds like the nastiest, like, intense, potent drink that he's always having. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking Scutton's probably some, like, double IPA nonsense, or just wicked potent, or maybe, like, a mead. Ooh, it could- I was thinking it would look like a really dark wine, maybe? Like, mm. like that kind of, like, dark purpley black color, but instead of, like, being a sweet wine, maybe more like a cough syrupy flavor. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I just, like, made my stomach Like, flip. something kind of herbal. Either way, Willem's getting turned. Which was his plan 
all along. Yeah, I mean, that's really what they wanted. Um, but it's funny, too, because then right here, it's just the two of them drinking with Stanchion, and, or three of them. And they have, like, this little aside, and Stanchion's like, how did you learn to play with a missing string? Yeah. Uh, and Kovoth is like, do you want the long answer, or... Which is the true answer, or do you want the short answer? Yeah. And Stanchion says, he'll take the short one for now. And <laughs> it was perfect. Kvothe was like, oh, just something, something I picked up during my misspent youth. As if he's old anyway. I know. And it's just like, ugh. We all know the deal. I know. I wish he had time to tell Stanchion his, like, true story, but... You know, when I was grieving my murdered family, I just requiem to my soul in the woods and played like music on it. <laughs> I end. feel like this song is requiem for a dream. Everyone's so fucked up after it. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so they are, are all toasting Kavoth and like, you know, just having a good time. I imagine that no one else is going to try for their talent pipes tonight after what he just did. Because that would be stupid. <laughs> and next on stage, this Larry. guy. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but Frappe comes over and is, like, all excited and animated. And, oh, this part's actually really cool. Uh, it's so good because he's all dramatic. He's like, I can't believe, like, this string broke and I thought it was all gonna go to pieces. And then and then he, he thinks Kvothe is so brave for, you know, putting his hands back on his loot and deep in his heart he thought it wasn't gonna work. And then he's like, I was blown away. It was so good. He's like, you wove it back together and it was beautiful. Oh, I know. And he invites him to play at his house someday. Which is pretty cool. But one interesting thing he does say is, like, before he goes, he asks Kavoth, how many years did Savian spend with the Amir? Kavoth says, six, because I'm assuming it was in the song. Um, three years proving himself, three years training. And then, weirdly, Threpe is like, does six sound like a good number? Well, I mean, it's like the... Like, naming or the rule of the land. Like I mean, even in our culture, three, seven, seven is a good number. Yeah. yeah, it's like a lucky number. But, it, it's, but it's, just... it's also auspicious. auspicious? Sorry, I can't speak. But <laughs> um, the loot has, what, seven strings? And one broke? Oh. So it's like six strings? I thought it was paralleling the seven Chandrian. Oh. Yo. Layers. Layers. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, like... Seven comes up so many times, so I don't know if there are seven Amir to match the seven Shandrian, but it was, like, just a really weird way to get to the point of, like, asking Kavoth how many coins he should give him, which yeah. is not what Kavoth even thought was happening in the situation, but I think it's one of those, like, weird etiquette things. Mm. Um, but anyway, he gives Kavoth seven talents. Yeah, he gives him some heavy money. Yeah. Yeah, seven talents. Jeez, that's insane. And it's funny, too, because he's trying to be polite and doing what everyone does of like, oh, no, no, I can't take your money. <laughs> Threpe just kind of throws all all manners out the window and goes, well, why not? Yeah. And so Kvothe ends up earning seven talents, which is sweet. And then throughout the course of the night, he kind of just gets more and more people coming over. It's, um, you know, some other musicians coming to offer him congratulations, people who offered to buy him drinks, people are just shaking his hand, you know, kind of like basking in his glory, but also, you know, welcoming him to the, the club, as it were. Yeah. Which I think is cool, but... Eventually, the harp babe comes over. Oh, yeah. What's her... Did they give her a name? Yes. I just... Mm, no, I don't think so. He's kind of keeping his one eye out for whoever sung the part of Halloween. Yeah. So even though this harp girl comes over and she's gorgeous, he hears her voice and he's like, eh. That's not her. That's not her. So he kind of chats her with her for a little bit, but like his heart's not in it. <laughs> and Willem 
Calls him out. So, yeah, Willem comes over to him, and he's like, what was that? Willem's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, dude, did you see the way she was looking at you and the way she was talking to you? He's like, we're just having playful conversation. He's like, so naive and distracting. She straight up was, like, asking Kavold, like, to help her with harp fingering. Yeah, it was not secretive at all in any way. I think Willem's like, if it was me by now, we'd already have a room if you, like, get my meaning, but... In Closet Kavoth, I don't think the woman of nobility was looking for a rump behind the bar. I know! <laughs> a rump behind the bar. He's also 15, though. I think his friends forget how much younger he is. Yes. So he is inexperienced, but also still pretty young. Yeah. And he's also kind of mentally on a mission. He wants to find his Halloween. Yeah, he's dead set on it. But he does get a little distracted because he asks where Ambrose is. Mm-hmm. And apparently, he, <sighs> according to Will and Sim left before he even got his talent pipes, which they interpret as he's all pissed, he's all pissed off because Kavoth played so well despite his string breaking and, like, wowed everyone, and, like, there's absolutely no way he couldn't have gotten his talent pipes at that point. So they thought he was just jealous, but they said he looked pale and shaking like someone who'd been, like, someone who'd been punched or something. A.K.A. experiencing binders chills. Yeah, which was foreshadowed in that chapter with what, Fenton? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but I love that whole entire concept that clearly it took all, like, Ambrose's sick and, like, vile determination to, like, ruin Cabo's performance, and even though his yeah, meddling like, broke meddling the string... meddling and cheating and, like, broke the string from afar, like, I'm assuming he had to have used blood magic because there's no way he had yeah anything, so like, he was risking a lot and, like, could have fucked his day up. And despite all that, like... Kavoth, one, nails the song. Two, takes the, like, broken thing in stride. Yes. Three, gets his talent pipes. Four, is now rolling in money and, like, hot girls. And, like, which even, like, Ambrose didn't even see. But, like, he didn't even do anything to Ambrose at all. He just, like, did his best, which was, like, the perfect revenge in this situation. Yes, just by winning. By succeeding. Yes, it was so good. In short, we hate Ambrose. Ugh. But then the night kind of goes on, and Kavoth decides he's got to go find whoever Aline. sung Aluin's part. So um, the way the Aeolian is structured, it's, what, three floors? Yeah, so there's so like a second that's more of like a balcony slash like dining area with more tables. And the third tier is just like a very small, cramped little horseshoe. Yeah, top. and I think that's kind of where like the couples go. So the bottom floor is like general seating, essentially. Yeah. So as he's going up, he's kind of getting more and more not where he's really supposed to be. Yeah, he's just kind of serpentining through the crowd, like, on a mission. And there's something that's kind of sad and beautiful with his mindset. It definitely plays back in, like, survival tactics, like, on Tarbian, where, like, he's searching for Halloween. He's like, don't bother, like, no one who you'll meet that matches his voice will be as beautiful, like... You're setting yourself up for disappointment, like, stop looking, like... But then, like, the further along he goes, he's like, oh, she probably left and, like, didn't even care to talk to me, and, like, why would you think she would even bother speaking to you? Yeah, it's like, this is what you get for hoping. Yeah, but also, like, you wasted earlier, like, you know... Mingling with Mingling with people and getting money and, like, flirting with other girls, and so he's really, like... He's all wrapped up. He hasn't even met the girl, and he's so, like, in, like... I don't know if it's, like, a infatuation or, like, I don't think he's necessarily in love, but he's, he's just so He's just so determined. 
And it's funny, too, because he's he thinks he sees her a couple of times. Yeah. Like, he's, like, sees, like, a, the back of someone's head, and he's like, it must be, oh, no, it can't. Oh, no, it can't. And then he gets to the last table, and instead of doing that classic trope of, like, and it was at the very last possible spot, he gets to this last table, and it's a couple, and these two guys invite him to, like, you know, come have a drink with them, and they flirt a little bit, and they're like, come home with us, or whatever, so he's... Definitely all, like, not. embarrassed, and I'm like, no, no, I mustn't, I can't. I know, and he's, like, really embarrassed, but also trying to also, like, continue his search, so he's like, oh, like, I gotta get out of here. And he's, so he is now at, like, the pit of despair, and at the very last bit of the chapter, he hears the voice that he describes, like, burning silver, which is how he described Alan singing, and he knows immediately first hearing her, but then he sees her a minute later, and he knows exactly who it is. Chapter 57. Interlude. The parts that form us. We see There's our, a lot of our, interludes in this one. Yeah. Well, I kind of like it. A break, like, normally I don't like a break from the action, but on, like, revisiting these books, these little asides are kind of charming and fun in the beginning because they are more than just the story. It's kind of just, like, people's reactions to the plot. And it kind of makes it more than just a story. It kind of gives some gravity to it because there's... But they're, like, it's, like, commentary on their own story. Yeah. But in this case, it's good because he, he sees her and he goes, Oh, beautiful, and then it cuts out. It's, like, a commercial break almost. Yeah, literally. And so... I love it because Boss is like, Did you talk to her, Rishi? All, like, oh, he's, he's so like, eager. Of course I did. Do they say who it is at this point? Because Boss says he's seen her, and Kabo's trying to decide how to describe her, right? Yes. And so they don't... They don't tell you who it is. Who it is just yet, but Boss describes her as having perfect little ears. Such a weird thing to say. I don't know if it's a kink or just, like, something he found pleasant about her. I think he doesn't think she's very pretty, and that's the only nice thing he has to say. Yeah. Whereas Kavoth is like, she's the only woman in the world, like, I have eyes for. She is perfect in every way. She's gorgeous. Like, nothing I say will do her justice because nothing he says is going to describe her the way he experiences her and Boss is just kind of like, eh. And then literally just against the green. She had a crooked nose. Oh, and such a, like, like, record scratch moment. Of like, what? What do you mean? And I just love, he's like, it's just something I noticed. And he's like, I'm not saying she wasn't lovely, it's just something that, something I picked up on. I think he doesn't have anything nice to say. And then I love what Kavala says. It's just, like, a really wonderful thing. He's like, we are more than the parts that form us. Oh, it's so sweet, though. Oh, it, it's awesome. Because it is so easy to, like, nitpick tiny little things. Um, you see it a lot in, like, TV and media where they'll, like, comment on someone's appearance or clothes or, like, something, like, one of their character traits, like, physically. And it's like, look, we're more than just, like our body, and especially not, like, the individual body parts that make us up, like, you'll never capture someone's essence by thinking about them in that way. Yeah, so that was a really humanizing and cool moment. I feel As like he, inside, he's, like, definitely got, like, black cloud of, like, her nose perfect. isn't crooked, she's perfect. Yeah. So we basically have Kavoth go on and gush about her for, like, several more pages in this chapter. At that point... He's like, all right, enough's enough. Like, let's get back to the story. Chapter 58, 
names for beginning. And I like this because there's a little commentary where Kavolt is saying, I'd like to think that we like locked eyes and like we ran towards one another. And it was like this beautiful, like, and I was so joining. suave. And <laughs> it's funny because it's immediately he like kind of, he sees her, gets so excited. Then he's like, how, how do I interact in this situation? Um, and he knows immediately who it is. It's Denna from the caravan. <laughs> That's right. We didn't see it coming, or did we? It's Denna. She's back. I mean, he says it's only been a year and a half, but she looks even more beautiful than he remembers her. She's not in dusty riding clothes. She's in a gorgeous gown. And he, he definitely recognizes her um, down to the little ring on her finger, which has the pale blue stone on it. And obviously we know he's been kind of thinking of her, but this is the first time I think he comes out and says, like, since the caravan, I've been thinking all these, like, foolish boy thoughts of, like, maybe I'll go to Annalyn and track her down. Maybe, like, our our paths will cross, cross again. Jeez. <laughs> But deep down, he knew he'd never see her again. So now that she's here, he's, like, really unprepared for what to do. And it's interesting, too, because she sees him. She, like, lights up. Yeah, and she, like, Runs over to him, and then at the last second realizes, like, she's being kind of inappropriate and, like, draws back. But it seemed like she was going to, like, jump into his arms. Yeah, like, she was stoked. And he kind of falls back on, like, weird etiquette that his mom had taught him. So he, like, gives her a little bow. No, but I think it was good because the way he phrases it, it's like, it's perfect when you don't know what to do or say. It's like Yeah, filler. it's like a set of, like, things you're supposed to do to, like, buy time, essentially, and be polite, so. But then there's this amazing description of Kavoth talking about the first, like, ice that forms across a pond, the first, like, cold, cold day, and it's, like, clear as glass and untouched and broken and... If you walk on it, you can kind of get the thrill of, like, every time there's a crack forming in it, you're, like, surprised because at any moment, eventually it's going to break and you'll fall through. And it almost seems like he's talking about the feeling of falling through the, the ice. Mm-hmm. But he's like, no, I am the ice with, like, where she touched my arm. I felt like all the cracks just, like, whipped across my body and there's, like, this crazy feeling and... He's only, like, keeping it together because all his pieces are leaning against each other. And, like, he's afraid if he, like, moves too much, he'll just fall apart and, like, lose his cool. Ugh, but it's so cool. It has such, like, a powerful intoxicating effect to have on somebody. I know! They're intoxicating for each other, but not in the best of ways sometimes. Yeah. More so in a destructive way, I think. Um, And it's... So they kind of go through this, like weird banter where he calls her my lady and you know he she's wondering what he's he was doing up there by himself and he admits he was looking for Halloween and was worried that she had already left yeah. and she's like I waited two hours for you then they have like their playful banter like I was waiting for my Sabian to come back and so yeah, like, and this time I figured I would go looking for him like mm-hmm. and then they quote some theater at each other or I guess it's theater yeah uh felwards falling and he's like oh my god not many people know that play so he's even more like enraptured by her dude is just like so excited so excited to the point where he literally tries to give her his talent pipes i know it's like dude like you just earned those that's your one ticket to like stability and money which is a 
perpetual problem in your life, why would you give them away? Dude, so head over heels. So, I mean, so head over. I feel he's like, a fifteen year old boy though. He's like, I got a shiny. You can have my shiny. I, I feel like, he's literally like in a cartoon. You know, people like blink and their eyes are hearts, and they just have like, yeah. like he's that's the only thing he can see. So he's like, take them. I don't need them, and it's like. Dude, you're gonna regret that in five minutes as soon as she walks yeah, away. Yeah, and she's cool. She's like, nah, bro, like, thanks, but these are yours. Which, yeah, is good. Especially because he mentions that if he loses them, he has to earn them again. He doesn't yeah. just get another set of them. So, she tells him that instead of taking his pipes, he'll just have to owe her a favor. Yeah. Which is clearly code for, like, I want to see you again. <laughs> and then they talk a little bit about his... Loot, um, and somebody else who's playing a loot up on on stage. It's an old court loot, so it looks entirely different. So they're just kind of, like, watching the scenery around them. And it's funny, so they watch the other pe- person play loot, and then Dennis starts talking to him about, I thought you made a mistake when you did your chorus twice. Like, I didn't realize you wanted someone to come in, and I almost oh, yeah. didn't. And he was... Like, I can't believe that because you have, like, the most beautiful voice ever. And she's like, hmm, I don't think so, but I was glad to help. And she She had only only heard the song twice before, which is crazy because it sounds very long. Mm -hmm. And it's super complicated, as we know. And she only heard it once she just heard it in, like, a rehearsal. It wasn't even, like, the fully finished version of it, which is crazy. But then... They are interrupted by Savoy because he says, there you are. And Kavoth is like, me? <laughs> what? what do you mean? And unfortunately, Savoy and Denna are out on a date together. Yeah, so. So Denna walks over to him and he puts his arm around her waist and it's clear that like she has made this commitment with Savoy for the evening. So as much as she was clearly having fun talking and flirting with Kavoth, that is now kind of over, um, and I believe the three of them sit down at a table. Yeah, and it's kind of an awkward hangout, because... They are, like, <laughs> Dana super and flirty. are straight up, like, flirting, and then Savoy's just like, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like, <coughs> still this here. is my date here. I'm, st- I'm All dark around, I'm still here, you know. <laughs> Oh my god. Dude, right though. Because they're like flirting and they're like, won't even tell each other their names. And he's like, well, what will I have to do to get your name? And I'll only tell you mine if you tell me yours. And it's like. But if I have your name, you're in, I'm in your power. And you, oh I my god. It's dead to me. I feel like being Savoy, I'd literally be like, just fucking tell each other your names at this point. This is yeah. not. Ugh. Like, it's to the point where, like, if you were sitting there, you'd probably be like rolling your eyes and being like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, so. After, like, several minutes of flirting, um, Denna reintroduces herself to Kavoth as Diane, and... So when I first read the book, I thought he was confused, and it was actually a different person. Oh. I didn't realize, which is really stupid of me, but I didn't realize she was going by different names, and I thought maybe he was being, like, duped somehow, that it was someone different. But anyway, she's clearly going by a new name now, Diane. He gives her his real name, though, right? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, Savoy knows very well who he is. They're classmates and, like, good friends. Hi, I'm Keith. Yeah, like... Instead of Kaboth. And so they basically talk for a couple more minutes, and Kaboth makes his leave. And at the end of the chapter, there's a whole part of, like, he could have 
kissed her hand as he left, but it was like, you know what, that's not the sort of thing friends do. I'm glad he, like, thinks of Savoy as a friend and didn't go yeah, too like, far. Yeah, respect values. Very not much. that anyone belongs to anyone, it's more just like, don't be weird, don't push the envelope. Don't, yeah, don't, don't do that in front of someone who's, like, clearly on a date with someone else. Yeah. And, like, step on people's toes. And that's the end of the chapter. Uh, I know, but he's found his muse, so she has finally entered, entered the from the wings if we think it's Denna or if we think it's Ori. Well, they're both important characters in the plot, so I think that's a really cool thing with this book, and there's so much interpretation with it where everything has multiple meanings and multiple ways to interpret it, so it's just really interesting how it's laid out because it's not even like it's vague it's just no it's not vague at all and it's clearly like Kavoth as the narrator is speaking about Denna but it could also be interpreted as Ori yeah and so many things in this book are meant to lead you one way when it's I think there's lots of red herrings in here Mm. and lots of things that are very ambiguously written or just like slid it in in like so far in advance that you won't ever remember by the time it comes up well that was like and we'll save it for our next episode but the whole coat thing yeah that was cool that was very cool we'll have to wait but this brings us to our final chapter chapter 59 all this knowing and this i think is a very relatable chapter for a lot of people and it just perfectly captures like a good old-fashioned like late drunk i think it's just like the essence of youth and like not summertime. ever, like, thinking about the future because you're so young, you don't really have any worries, and it's it's carefree, and it's all about, like, the power of friendship. But it's such a short chapter, but it's it's written in a way that I think is very timeless. Yeah. We basically have, like, Will, Sim, and Kaboth very drunkenly leaving the Aeolian. And it's just really... Nothing significant, but very significant altogether, where it's, like, super late at night, like, the bells tolling late in the evening, they're all walking over the bridge, they're all just, like... Such a... I feel like they're all, like, leaning on each other's shoulders. Yeah. Man. And it's just, like, a warm, cloudless sky, like, stars above, like, heading towards university, and they're all just, like, enjoying the moment and, like, being friends and just drunk and happy and just living life. Yeah, it's very p- pure. I think it's one of those things you look back on and you're like, that's what being young is. Or like, that's what, you know, the good old days were, whatever that means. But it's it's just so perfect and it's a perfect, like, feeling to end this kind of emotional roller coaster that has been both getting his talent pipes and re-meeting Denna and just, like, Capping off the evening with a perfect, like, friend time, I think is absolutely great. Yeah, it's absolutely awesome. And that brings us to the end of this episode. If you want to reach out to us, please go to our website, fantasticbookspod.com, or follow us on Instagram at fantasticbookspod. And like I said in the last episode, if you are someone who uses iTunes or a Mac, Please go on and give the podcast a rating. It's the only platform that you can rate podcasts on, and it really, really helps us to grow. And we hope you all have enjoyed the sound of our new studio, and we will be back in two weeks. Until then, happy reading. 
This podcast was recorded by Anna Opishinsky and Sam Furman, edited by Anna Opishinsky, produced by Anna Opishinsky and Sam Furman, with webpage and artwork designed by Anna Opishinsky.